Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. The Turn on the Jets podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and partner of the New York Jets for all their 2017 away game fan packages and home game fan experiences. Make sure to check out primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets to learn more about what they will be doing with the team this season. Also, make sure to give them a follow on Twitter and Facebook at primesport. Again, that's primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets for Prime Sport, official team partner and fan experience partner of the New York Jets for the 2017 season. Also want to remind you guys to subscribe to our other podcast on Turn on the Jets Digital, uh, Play Like a Jet, hosted by Scott Mason. This week we'll host episode or part two of his interview with Nicholas Dardoff, who wrote Collision Low Crossers in the 2011 Jets season. Uh, they will be, there will be a preview of that episode included within the article on this podcast. Also make sure to subscribe to Draft Season, hosted by Dalvin Osario and Jeff Lloyd. Uh, which will cover NFL draft topics year-round. And finally, subscribe to Slight Work, which is our podcast that interviews other professionals in the sports media industry. That's Slight Work, Play Like a Jet, and Draft Season. Uh, For today's episode, we're going to do a little bit of a different format. Uh, We're going to quickly work through the questions that I received in my Reddit AMA yesterday. Uh, So for those of you who don't use Reddit, uh, or even for those of you who do your Reddit, use Reddit and saw it. I just want to be able to amplify some of my answers a little more. Also going to work through some of the questions I received in the Barstool mailbag I did this past week as well. So basically this episode, I'm going to read through uh, a bunch of questions I've received recently on the team, specifically around my Reddit AMA yesterday and around the Barstool mailbag I did a few days a week. We'll be back next week with our normal format with myself and Dalbin. Uh, working through a full update of what happened in minicamp and what to expect going forward as the Jets sort of head into their summer break time of the year uh, before training camp kicks off in late July. Anyway, let's start with the Reddit AMA questions. First question came from Ymaster, who asked, is it weird that I still have a Chad Pennington poster in my room and often romanticize about how good he was? My answer was, absolutely not. Uh, I think Pennington is the last young quarterback the Jets had who really looked like for a small period of time that he could be their answer for that all-elusive franchise quarterback. I I said in my answer, he's been the closest thing they had in the past 20 years, but it really is probably even longer than that. Uh, Pennington was 
one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the NFL for a stretch of the 2002 season. Uh, the Jets went on a tear, won the AFC East, won a home playoff game uh, before getting knocked out by Oakland. Uh, we know what happened after that. He struggled with a ton of injuries. You know, did get the Jets to the playoffs in 2004 and 2006, but the injuries really prevented him from reaching his ceiling. The Jets gave up on him, acquired Brett Favre, then tried to get uh, a different franchise quarterback in Mark Sanchez, who obviously had a couple nice runs, but never was really the player that Pennington was at his peak. So, uh, you know, understandable if you're looking for a good quarterback uh, poster to have on the wall. Who else would you have up? Maybe Testaverde because of his one year in 98, but nothing wrong with having the Pennington poster up at this point. Um, Another question from Inky Pinky Blinky. As both a Jets fan and a realistic one, what's your ideal scenario for 2017? Low win total and good draft pick, but players showing promise. Horrible season and Woody blows it all up. Win six or seven games and remain in purgatory. I envision a, I can't help but envision a scenario where Buffalo is a pick or two behind us, but uses their extra first to leapfrog us for a quarterback. First off, it's a terrifying scenario that he outlined with Buffalo having more ammo uh, to jump over us and get a quarterback that we may have targeted. In terms of what I think an ideal scenario is, uh, it's all about the young players in this team, specifically the last three years of draft picks that Mike McCagnon has uh, selected, having positive seasons and taking strides. Because it gives you more confident as a confident in, in him as a general manager if guys like uh, Brandon Shell, Justin Burris, Darren Lee, uh, Leonard Williams has already proven himself, obviously, but Jordan Jenkins, Lorenzo Malden all look like they could be good starters down the road long term. If that's the case, the Jets have a solid core of young talent. And whether they win three games or six games, which I think is probably about their ceiling this year, it doesn't matter as much. Now, obviously, there's a good chance the Jets are going to a need to acquire a quarterback in next year's draft. That becomes more challenging if you're picking ninth instead of second. Uh, that being said, if the Jets have a a four or five win season and they have a quarterback that they want that they need to go get they feel they need to go get to answer that position they should not be shy about using their ammo and pulling off a Carson Wentz or Jared Goff like trade and moving up to get that guy and again this is not supposed to be the type of class that only has one uh, elite quarterback prospect in it there's supposed to be a handful so just because the Jets might not be in position to get one of them doesn't mean that they should ignore the position and not potentially take another one in the top 10. Next question from Sprite Chat 14. The Jets seem like a team with a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. I am personally in the boat of sticking with the current front office and coaching staff. However, I have heard a lot of dissenting opinions on the matter. Say the Jets do exactly what everyone thinks they will and stink up the league, and they're 1 in 10 or 2 in 9 late in season. Would you be in favor of wiping the slate clean and firing everyone? Also, after this season, what is the direction this team needs to make to take to become a legitimate contender? Uh, I don't foresee any midseason firings just because of how low the expectations are right now. Uh, I don't necessarily see what benefit you get out of firing a GM or a head coach in the middle of the year. I think depending on if we see progress from the young players Mike McCagnin drafted or if we don't see progress from them, and if the game management and locker room control does not improve from Todd Bowles, I think both of their jobs should be on the line this year. I don't think Bowles should be the sole scapegoat. Uh, I don't think McCagnin should be the sole scapegoat. I'm not sure what McCagnin has done yet to prove that he is the guy who should lead this entire rebuild, particularly if his draft picks struggle uh, from 2015, 2016, and 2017. And Bowles certainly hasn't proven himself 
that he is the long-term head coach yet either. So I think for those guys to keep their jobs, you need to see progress from the guys that Mike McCagnan has drafted. Uh, and you need to see progress from Tom Bowles with game management, uh, decision-making, and how he handles the media on a week-to-week basis. Next question from Common Man Guy 2014. When the Jets make the next, when the Jets make the Super Bowl, assuming you're alive, do you want to be A at the game, B watch watching at a friend's Super Bowl party, C watching alone? I do watch most Jet games alone, pacing around like a maniac. But I have always said, if the Jets do make the Super Bowl, I am going. Uh, whether I can get into the game or not, I want to be down there to experience that whole week and everything that goes along with it. And I do think that is the type of situation where I'd want to be surrounded by some other Jet fans, maybe not a bar full. Uh, of Jet fans, but if I can get into the game, I'm going, and if not, uh, I will probably be watching it with my cousins and a few other people who are also big Jet fans like myself. Let's hope that's a, that's a first world problem to have. Let's hope we get there at some point in the next five to ten years. Um, let's see here. Uh, JT Cowan, 36. Joe, which of the three receivers we drafted in rounds three to five do you think will make the biggest impact this season? Uh, I'm assuming he's referring to Stewart and Hanson, uh, the two mid-round picks from the Jets. I like Hanson's long-term upside much more than Stewart. Uh, I think he's a really intriguing player as a vertical threat, and I like his yards after the catch ability. I do think since Robbie Anderson is currently ahead of him in the depth chart, it wouldn't surprise me if Stewart made more of an immediate impact this year. He does seem like someone who there's not another receiver who has a similar skill set to him, so that could lead him to getting on the field a little quicker. I still see Stewart as a little bit more of a gimmick player, a guy whose game sort of reminds me a little bit more of a receiver-running-back hybrid. So I could see more sets that have Anderson and Nuon Stewart out there rather than Anderson, Nuon, Hanson. But I do think Hanson long-term has a higher ceiling. Uh, and both of those guys are going to get plenty of opportunities on such a young team. Um, from another question from, let's see here, from Hey, what color is this? Hey, Joe, what was the last personnel move the Jets made that genuinely made you happy? What excites you most about the upcoming season and your favorite Jet of all time? Uh, it's been a pretty quiet offseason, but I did like the Kelvin Beecham signing, I think, for the value that they got him at. Uh, it was a better idea than just bringing Brian Clady back to play left tackle. Also, I had a decision to lock down Brian Winters before the offseason started. And as individual prospects, you know, I, I like Jamal Adams a lot, like Chad Hansen a lot, like Clark and McGuire. Really liked all those picks. Uh, in a vacuum and you know in terms of things to be excited to watch this year it's hopefully watching young players continue to take strides Quincy Inua, Leonard Williams, uh, Bilal Powell, Robbie Anderson, uh, Darren Lee uh, become a difference maker on the second level uh, how about Adams and May on the back end are they going to live up to the hype as sort of being game changers and safety uh, so there are a lot of interesting young pieces to watch who could very well go on to be key cornerstone components for this Jets roster going forward uh, my favorite all-time Jet is Jericho Cotri, uh with Curtis Martin, uh, a close second. Now, not that far behind, but I played receiver, so I was always partial uh, to wide receivers, and Cotri is definitely my top guy. Let's see here. From Three Cranes, how do you think our special teams unit will do this year? Uh, it's going to be hard for them to be worse than they've been in recent years. I'm going to anticipate that Either McGuire, Stewart, or the recently signed Jordan Todman uh, are splitting up the kick return and punt return duties. Uh, guys like Rontez Miles, Dylan Donahue, and Stewart should actually be key players as well on the coverage units. And again, Lachlan Edwards was pretty bad last year. You got to hope that he's you know got over any rookie jitters or problems he had and could become a solid punter. 
Chandler Cotton-Zara was inconsistent at best last season. Uh, so there's plenty of reason for skepticism with that unit. I just have a hard time seeing them being any worse than they were last year. Hopefully they clean up you know, the mistakes and they can find a little more consistency and find a little more pop in the return game because Jalen Marshall was just, just awful last year. So uh, any progress would be solid. I think they'll probably be an okay average unit at best overall, though, because there's just too many question marks right now, punter and kicker. Uh, question from COTDHCA. If you could go back to any of the last three off seasons or even this upcoming one and pick a new head coach and GM tandem from the crop of available coordinators, college coaches, et cetera, who would they be? Uh, you know, I mentioned Bruce Arians when he, when he left, uh, Indianapolis to go to Arizona, he would have been a great coach to, you know, get their hands on in terms of a GM. I've been a big fan of, uh, Chris Ballard who the Colts just hired and I've loved the Colts off season so far. Does look like Adam Gase may have been a really nice hire for Miami, although it's been only been one year. Uh, but those are the names that sort of jumped to the top of the list for me. Uh, you know, a guy like Arians has been one of the best best coaches in the NFL, and you know he was on that market a few years ago. Uh, and Ballard was one, you know, a name who had been mentioned a lot, and the Colts were finally able to lock him down. And again, love what they did in the draft, getting Hooker and Quincy Williams with the first two picks, and, and think they've finally taken some strides to building a competent team around Andrew Luck, which Ryan Grigson was really never able to do. Let's see here. Uh, we got JRZNG89. Uh, he says, I think you guys are too high on people like Shell and Anuba. Can you explain why you like these players so much? With Shell, I, I don't think we've been overly high on him. I think he had three good starts last year, which is encouraging, but he's definitely a question mark. Three starts is a very small sample size, but... If that pick breaks right for Mike McCagnon, that's a really good look for him considering the Jets gave up a pick uh, to go get Shell. With Anua, you know, it's just it's good to have a player on offense who's fun to watch. This is a guy who can play H-back, can play out wide, can play in the slot. It's 6'2", 225, and can run a 4440. The Jets don't have many people who have that type of athletic talent who could make the type of plays that he did against Baltimore or Cleveland last year or so. I think with his versatility, he could be a lead playmaker on this offense. I don't necessarily buy into, well, he can't be a number one receiver. Sure he could. He could line up at H-back and get matched up at safeties and linebackers, and he performed well outside the numbers against guys like Stephon Gilmore and Malcolm Butler last year. So I think if the quarterback situation is competent, Anua uh, is going to be one of the more fun players to watch on this team and has the physical ability uh, to be a lead receiver. Let's see... From Bangarang, how do you feel about our front office and Bulls after three years? And was Idzik given a raw deal? Uh, I wrote about this at length in my Optics are Rebuilding article earlier in the week. I do think Idzik was given a bit of a raw deal, but he brought a lot of that on himself uh, with his inability to properly handle the media. I think both McCagnan and Bulls have been below average overall so far. I think Bulls took a major step back last year in game management and locker room control with McCagnan. I think a lot of people just like him because he's not Idzik. Uh, you know, if you just look at his resume of work, uh, there's a lot more negatives overall than positives. Now, there's still time with a lot of these draft picks, but, you know, if Darren Lee and Christian Hackenberg don't show signs of life this year, that's going to be really concerning when you, when you couple that with the Devin Smith pick a few years before that. All right, we'll keep scrolling here from Blitzman78. What is your opinion of Deron Lee? He showed some potential last year, but he seems like a head case. Also, can you see Josh Rosen being the first quarterback taken next year ahead of Sam Darnold? Uh, with Lee, I think it was a fairly disappointing rookie year. You know, he didn't make much of an impact in the run game, wasn't involved in forcing any turnovers, struggled in single coverage. 
there were some flashes of sideline to sideline athleticism, which is really encouraging, but the Jets drafted him to be a movable chess piece and a playmaker at the second level, like, kind of like we saw from Deion Jones with Atlanta last year, or even Sue Cravens with Washington last season. So I think all eyes are on Lee this year to take major strides, and that's going to be challenging playing next to Demario Davis instead of David Harris, which I think leads to some valid frustration about the decision to move on from him. And yes, I think Rosen could very well end up being QB1. So do I think could a guy like Lamar Jackson... I think it's very early. You don't know who's going to stay in school, who's going to get hurt, who's not going to live up to the hype. I do think there's going to be four to six guys probably taken in the first round. But in terms of who that QB1 is, I think that's definitely wide open and that can break a wide range of ways. So uh, it's a little early to project ahead who that guy will be. Uh, A question from Talk Jets Radio. As the foundation of the offense, what is the concern level with the revamped offensive line? I think there should be a concern level because there's limited depth and there's a lot of question marks currently. So, you know, you feel good about offensive guard with James Carpenter and Brian Winters, but if one of those guys gets hurt, there's not much depth behind them. Uh, Wesley Johnson has never been a starting center for a full season, so you hope it breaks well and that he can handle that role. Like we talked about with Brandon Shelley, he's only started three games. So the early signs were good, but it's a very small sample size. And again, the Jets have very limited depth to tackle. So really they need... Three things to break right for them. They need Brandon Shell to be very good. They need Wesley Johnson to be good. Uh, and they need Kelvin Beecham to be the guy he was two years ago, not the guy last year. Now, it's probably not realistic to expect all th- three of those things to break the right way and have no injuries. Maybe one or two of them break that way. So I'm sure offensive line is going to be a concern at some point this season. But at least there is a lot of young players and young talent there with potential upside. Mm-mm-mm. Um, from JetsBrazil.com, Todd didn't want Harris off the team. How, how much power does Bowles have in the Jets' decision? Is it smaller than McCagnon's? And I think ultimately, you know, Bowles should be looped in and have input on personnel decisions with all final decisions coming from Mike McCagnon, not Woody Johnson. Uh, the Jets have a bit of a confusing structure at the top, which has been a problem for them for a while. But it seemed clear to me that Todd Bowles found that about five minutes before David Harris uh, was cut that he was, had to go talk to the press about it, which is not ideal. It makes for bad optics. It makes the Jets, you know, look like they're a disorganized mess. And obviously, they're trying to push back against that reputation. So, better coordination and communication at the top would certainly be helpful. Uh, from Michael Romano, are our starting receivers for 2018 on our roster? Yes, I think the top four receivers this year are going to be Anua, Anderson, Stewart, and Hanson. And I don't see any reason they wouldn't be the top four receivers the year after that. Those are all guys that this regime has invested in, uh, you know, excluding Anua, who was pulled, pulled in by Idzik, but I think Anua has certainly proven himself to be a guy that they're going to want here for the long term. So I think those will be the guys uh, you'll see going forward, along with potentially someone like Sharon Peak in the mix a little bit as well. Uh, last question uh, from Joe Hanley. Uh, do you think if Wilkerson had a 2015 year, that a better 2015 year, that our defense would have been so much better? And is that the primary reason our defense sucked last season? I think it was one of the reasons, but I think there was a multitude of problems, starting with guys like Calvin Pryor and Lorenzo Malden not taking the anticipated step forward that many thought that they would. Uh, Darrell Rivas loafing all over the field certainly didn't help. And then Sheldon Richardson not contributing much either. All that rolled in with Wilkerson was problematic. Uh, Wilkerson does seem to be healthy now. Uh, He does need to play well to get uh, the next year paid out in his contract, so I expect a bounce-back season from him. 
And again, the Jets, if they keep Richardson, their strength is a defensive line. But how much can that translate to a quality overall defense? All right. I want to thank everybody for their questions, both on Barstool and on Reddit. Please make sure to follow on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, make sure to check out Prime Sport as well. Uh, and we will be back next week. Check out more writing at turnonthejets.com. Check out merch at theloyalist.com backslash turnonthejets. And uh, thanks for listening.